It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about. It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept: uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force. That sort of controls our destiny,、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence, great pace, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and are dead, but you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Welcome back to Generation Skywalker for the end of book month. Now, who is with me? Well, obviously, we always have the same core team that open up with the prologue. So, I've got with me Craig Spivey. Good evening, Craig. Good evening. And I've got Jez. Good evening, Jez. Good evening. And I've got Dan Burgess. No, we haven't.、Uh, we will get onto it a bit later. But anyone that follows our social media will see that、uh, Dan was giving it all the Billy Big Balls like he did last year. In the contest, and both of his characters fell at the first hurdle, so he has decided that、uh, he was too busy tonight to be able to represent himself and defend himself.、Um, so that is where he is. <laughs> but、uh, gents, the end of book month—a bit different to how we started it. But、um, thoughts on the month? But what was your favourite shows? Let's go with that, Jess. Do you know what I loved? Where we just went into the expanded universe, where my mind was blown, and、um, and yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I almost had to go off to find out more because, for someone who's just grown up on the original trilogy and pretty much stuck with that,、um, to learn all about these different characters and to get、uh, to get my mind blown by Mara Jade in particular, because I thought I. Probably knew everything about her being some sort of you know housewife for Luke.、Um, yeah, I don't know. Just、uh, it's expanded my universe. Yeah, the modern show that was, wasn't it? <laughs> Get very very excited at one point. Yeah,、uh, wonder what was going on down the other end of the line.、Uh, Craig, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy these things. It's good. I think we said on the on the prologue show that they're nice because they take you out of what you normally submerge yourself in. I really enjoyed. The aftermath show we did、um, with Brian and, and Mark from Fanta Tracks. I think、uh, it was nice to revisit that relatively recent series of books, and I read them and moved on. You know, it was interesting at the time, but it was nice to revisit those. And those guys really know their stuff. Very articulate appraisals of those stories, 
and the circumstances around which they were written. So if you've not checked that one out, go and check out that one. Show 51. Yeah, yeah, good book and uh, enjoyable chat, actually. Um, they are on my pile to go back to. Thank you, Ah, oh, do you know what? I thought the shows we put out were um, all pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed all of them. I mean, each of them gave us something else. I enjoyed talking to Stefan about his latest book, um, learned something new just in that one chat. I really enjoyed our, mine and Jez's conversation with Becca. She was yeah. a great guest to have on, really passionate about her subject. Um, like I just said, the Aftermath trilogy was a, was a great insight. I love the modern show. I mean, we looked at some... Uh, some figures we'd never i'd never really even looked at and i spent a a little while knocking up the show notes for that and going through loads of different figures and it was just just a fascinating area definitely an area i'm going to return to to make the odd little purchase maybe but um yeah hard to pick my favorite i'm going to be honest i think i think they all stand up as shows you know a lot to be proud of there yeah obviously in the in the prologue show we had all these other plans but life gets in the way sometimes we've put out some some good stuff but we were unable to fulfill what we wanted to fulfill but um i think all those shows are still on our radar to to get recorded and out sometime in the near future how are we doing same as always that bad huh obviously with book month i remember last year we all ended up dabbling in book related items so any books bought um are you listening to anything different are you reading anything different have you bought any toys after the modern show uh yes <laughs> yes to some of that um i did go and buy a figure on the back of discussing those expanded universe figures on the modern show and i went and bought myself the yuzan vong figure and i've nice. got him here and he's he's mental <laughs> he's huge for a start and we did talk at some length about their kind of heavy metal aesthetic yeah in hand he really lives up to that but it's a it's a super figure i really like it it's got a little bit his, his armor's kind of slightly um pearlescent like a little bit conquery almost almost carbonized but just the armor um but yeah he's he's super cool so i did go and buy him he was loose i paid about 45 pounds for him which seemed like a good buy compared to to some of the ones that we were looking at i mean some of those expanded universe figures are ridiculously expensive so um yeah, so i did hobble on. over uh, jason uh, solo but it was carded and i would open it so i didn't feel that was a the right thing to do so if, if a loose one comes along i might uh, i might be tempted by that um the other thing i bought now i've got a little it's a mini side focus uh, when it comes to shadows of the empire i've always found it an, a fascinating project uh, a quirky bit of star wars history and very self-contained over the years just put together a little run of the figures and the ships and and that's expanded out into bits and pieces and i did grant put me onto it actually a few months ago bought one of the trade boxes of cards it wasn't full it was an empty box and a couple of uh empty packets in it but I'm, i'd never got around to buying the actual tops cards and what they did as part of all of the other merchandise for shadows of the empire as they did a series of tops cards created by the Hildemann brothers who were brought back into the Star Wars franchise from doing the very first quad poster. They did the art for the quad poster. So it was sort of nice to have them back uh, a couple of decades later to, to work on this project. So the 100 cards, I think there were 10 uh, foil chase cards um, that were obviously harder to get hold of. But I managed to get the 90 base uh, cards in really, really good nick uh, for 20 quid. Well, you know, it sort of it was one of those things that happens to me a lot when I'm putting the enhanced versions of these things together and I'm and I'm finding images like that's a really good piece of art. You know, I I should have those. So I bought those 
and they arrived. And I'm just going to pause a minute and put these in the chat because there's a few images I just want to chat about. Have you all got them? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go through each one in turn. So what struck me about these cars, and this this was a project that happened uh, from Lucasfilm. It was under the watchful gaze of Mr. George Lucas. So it was all legit. It's just how much sex and violence there are in these cards. So the first one I've sent you there is a character called Guri. Uh, Guri is a, a synthetic human. She's like a replicant, I guess, fembot. Um, and, you know, the Hildebrand brothers, their stock in trade was like the fantasy art. So the girl in the chainmail bikinis with swords slaying dragons and all that stuff. And it's just interesting to see that kind of aesthetic brought into the world of Star Wars. I mean, first impressions of that little set of images there of Guri the Fembot. Mm. I'm a bit in love with Guri. <laughs> I like her um, stance in the top right image. Looks like she's got football socks on. Well, I wasn't looking at her feet. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Highly sexualized imagery for Star Wars, I thought. Card number nine it says beautiful and lethal. So there she is. There's her attractive Fembot Guri. And mm. she's pictured there actually strangling Jack Bauer from 24. I was just thinking that. I was just <laughs> thinking it's exactly that. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Ethan Sutherland. But, you know, we, we're used to force choking. And arms being chopped off in Star Wars, you know there is a level of violence. But she's got her uh, her elbow. She's ch- choking the life out of this guy. He's got this grimace on his face. Um, yeah, and she's putting a bit of effort into it. Quite graphic, I thought, for a for a, a Star Wars uh, a Star Wars card. But yeah, it gets steamier, right? So the next image there is uh, is Princess Leia and her first meeting with the the, the chief protagonist. I'm just going to read a little bit of the back, okay? She's all longs for an intelligent, challenging quarry. That's why the Dark Prince is so anticipating the arrival of Leah, whose hollow projection he's admired for days. She, on the other hand, has no idea what to expect as she and Chewbacca walk into his private office. Certainly not the girlish giddiness that overtakes her. She instantly finds she's all absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just reading the next card. Wow. Jess, your powers of description are very good. Do you want to just describe to the listeners what's going on in this image? Well, um, yeah, so we have this uh, Caesar chap who, uh, very interesting looking, but eyes immediately taken to um, the um, looking at a Catwoman like lady from behind. So to me, she's wearing sort of all leather. It could be PVC or, or something. Anyway, it looks like she belongs in the Incredibles or some sort of Marvel movie. She's got a long plaited hair, which is quite nice as well. Uh, but it's a dynamic pose. She looks like she's just about to be kneeing him square in the nuts uh, with a uh, follow through of an uppercut to the chin. Yeah, that's um, that's everyone's favourite demure uh, Princess Leah uh, in a catsuit kneeing an alien in the nuts. That is Leah, is it? That wow. is Leah. Okay. <laughs> but the next card's even better. Right. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Leah prepares for Shizor. Leah continues to grapple with her longings for Shizor. Maybe she can quell them by soaking in the luxurious black marble bathtub in her fresher. 
After all she's been through lately, she relishes the rare occasion for such self-pampering, right down to the blowers that dry her off. But as she applies her makeup and tries to decide which opulent dress to wear for her next meeting with the handsome Feline, pangs of guilt resurface. It's worse when Chewie, who arrives, sans his disguise, gives her disapproving looks. To heck with the Wookiee. Leah's weak side tells her, if looking good for Shizor helps save Luke's life, so be it. And these were written in 1996. <laughs> this is this is Star Wars. Yeah, I'm really, really shocked. I didn't quite appreciate just how out there these were. Yeah, I, was, I knew these cards existed, and I read the stories, and I know this was part of the storyline. <laughs> but when you see these images, and, and married to these words particularly, it's just like, wow, yeah. this wouldn't happen now, would it? No. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting images. And then one to finish off. Okay. There's one there of Shizor actually breaking someone's neck. <laughs> oh, nice. So there yeah. you go. That was that was my purchase inspired by Book Month. Well, live up to that, Jez. <laughs> no, sorry, I was just looking. Still looking at the pictures. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, this month I have made a purchase because, as I said during uh, filming of the show, I haven't really read any of these. Uh, well, not I haven't really read. I haven't read any of them outside of the original trilogy. So for me, it was like right where to start. My mind was blown with the whole Mara Jade stuff and learning a little bit, this, that, and the other. So uh, I think it was Craig suggested to me start with Heir to the Empire. Star Wars Volume 1, Heir to the Empire, Timothy Zahn, and uh, and you can't go wrong. So I bought this book on eBay for about £3 <laughs> delivered. So this is Volume 1, Volume 2 being Dark Force Rising, and Volume 3, Last Command. And, um, yeah, what's, what's fascinating about this is, yes, I'm aware of, Thrawn and and you know obviously now the um, Thrawn is it's quite large names featured now in Mandalorian sees its own sort of uh, trilogy of books coming out which we've discussed before but yeah Thrawn's on the book cover for this you know and, and so actually from a book cover point of view there, there's already loads in it I, I haven't read this book I've bought this book but my my life this month has been unbelievable and uh my work uh guys i have 49 days left um of my current job which as i told you when i took this job on two years ago would be all consuming and i wouldn't have any spare time that has definitely proved to be the point um this last month so i i've i think i've read the first 20 pages or so really like it the font is tiny uh, but i i really really um I'm so looking forward to getting into this. And in fact, I am starting my new job. It's sort of Christmas in the new year. Someone said to me the other day, are you worried about the massive change of pace? Because everyone knows I've been doing sort of 65 hour weeks for the last 18 months to two years. I'm like, no, no, not at all. I'm not worried about the change of pace at all because um, I, I want a bit more me time. I want to go to the gym a lot more and I've got a lot of books to read. And, um, yeah, that made me chuckle because I'm so looking forward to a change of job so I can get into the reading a little bit more. Yeah, I've also got a big job, a lot of books, which I need to get rid of. I might just give them to you. <laughs> Dear. Brilliant. Well, I'll wet the whistle then for people. I'll wet the whistle. So back cover, right? No spoilers. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's a time of renewal. Five years after the destruction of the Death Star and the defeat of Darth Vader and the Empire. 
but with the war seemingly won, strains are now beginning to show on the Rebel Alliance. New challenges to galactic peace have arisen, and Luke Skywalker hears a voice from his past, a voice with a warning. Beware the dark side. Heir to the Empire is the first of a three-book cycle which picks up where the movie trilogy left off. And, uh, yeah, it starts off really, really well, and I just, I, I just love the fact that I've got a whole new world to explore, and I'm, I'm really, really grateful for you guys opening up my eyes to it. They are brilliant books, actually. They are books I've read the uh, trilogy of and uh, even listened to the audio books recently, actually. I think after me and Craig did them last year, I went back and listened to them via audiobook. It's a good place to start, Jez. I have also added a few bits. Actually, I went away after um, Becca actually mentioned it in her interview, the High Republic books. And I want to say a bit different. So I've been quite busy at time for reading at the moment, but I thought I'll get an audio book. I went away and, and got the High Republic, the first book, Light of the Jedi, as an audio book. So um, there's times when I work on my own and I'm in a place on my own. So sometimes I stick my headphones in, have a listen. Really, really enjoying it. Only about halfway through it. But um, yeah, completely new characters. It's so many years before anything that you've consumed before. So completely different type, type of time. But um, yeah, thoroughly enjoying it. Really enjoying that. So uh, I enjoyed it. It's nice to start afresh with something. It's hard to keep it with who all the characters are and picturing them in your head. But I'm sure that will eventually uh, click into place for me. I've also um, obviously got Stefan's book through. Um, really enjoyed that. It is actually really nicely put together. If you like your advertisements in your history of that time of the vintage collecting, um, I think that oversight of what it was going on in France and stuff is nice. A nice looking book as well. Um, give that a good shout out. Um, the modern way did inspire me to go and have a little delve. Now, while I've been too busy to finish the podcast this month, I've also I bought Mouse. Um, we all loved Mouse on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, I bought it boxed. Got a good deal, actually. I think we even spoke about during the show, oh, there's someone's got one box for 54 quid or something, I think it was. Mm. Um, I chucked in a best offer of £30 the morning after we'd recorded that while I was having my morning cup of tea, and they accepted it. So uh, quite a large discount on that. It's still in the box, packaging box, because I was going to do an unboxing video. I'm going to do that unboxing video this weekend. So hopefully we'll get that video out next week sometime. But I also did find a couple of loose figures. They were the two-pack. They both featured in our 10 countdown, Kofi Arana and Boltar Swan. Now, both of them are actually really nice figures. Lots of articulation. Boltar Swan's great fun. I love her armour. But Kofi Arana, I mean, the figure's good. But the Darth Vader severed hand, which lodges into his chest, is one of the greatest action figure things I've ever seen on a three and three quarter inch figure. It's amazing. It's, it's an amazing piece of a uh, piece of design. Absolutely love it. Really tempted to try to knock the whole ten off to represent our book month. But um, I am aware. I have kept an eye out all for all of them. But I'm well aware that some of those figures, even loose, are going to cost over three figures. It's a challenge, and they were great figures. I mean, the mouse that mate. First of all, congratulations on that mouse because that was brilliant. But yeah, the Kofi Arana, I think every Darth Vader focus collector needs one. It's just really, really cool. Very good. Joe, you know what? I was actually at work and I typed them in, just one of their names, and it just came up. It was on a buy it now for both figures for 25 quid. £12.50 a figure. I thought, amazing. That's, that's a awesome. bargain because you don't see them that often. If you go and search for them, you'll probably find a couple of them on eBay in the UK, but there's not a great deal out there. I was also gutted. Borsk Fela, there was one of them on there. 
and it had like nine days to run and I put quite a big bid in and I was winning it and I checked it the morning and it had about two hours to run still miles ahead you know my max bid was well over what it was and it got sniped to the last minute when I wasn't online so I was a little bit gutted about that so I could have had four but um yeah maybe set myself a little uh, a little target is that Jarrell figure that I think is going to cost me a lot of money she seems to be uh, quite expensive but yeah book month inspired it's all good fun right so some nice pickups as well i know dan has got himself some dressing up clothes to represent a couple of the characters and um, definitely got himself some leggings i'm not quite sure what he's doing but i think you will see it at father's from uh, he's planning on doing some cosplay on the sunday <laughs> so cracking on then very first ever old fossils we did craig you did an amazing piece on luanawanawa didn't you? Lian Huan Hua. Lian Huanawa. Oh, I'm not far off. Lian Huanawa. Yeah. Okay. Um, you did a brilliant piece on that, but that's the only old fossils that never got enhanced. Those first couple of episodes were never enhanced. And I think we've said several times that that piece needed to be enhanced because it was such a visual topic. You did a brilliant blog which I think you've added to, but you've gone back and you have visualised it. And now that is available over on YouTube as a Skywalker Blast. It is. So, yeah, it was it was nice to do that. It was. I think it might have been one of the very first things we ever recorded. Yeah. And uh, I thought, if I'm terrible at this podcasting lark and they bounce me off the programme, at least I'll get to talk about Chinese bootleg comics. So it was really nice to go back and put some images to it and uh, update the blog with a few new purchases, a few more things I found out, more have come to light. So so, uh, we're still on the hunt for a um, Chinese adaptation of Return of the Jedi. There aren't any recorded. Uh, lots, lots for Empire. Lots for um, for Star Wars, and even some things that aren't even Star Wars that have been uh, sold under the Star Wars banner in China. So, really interesting stuff. I think so, anyway. But yeah, you can check that out on the website. Have a look at the blog, or if you want to have a look at the Skywalker Blast, it's about eighteen minutes, easy to watch, and lots of cool stuff to look at. Well, go and check that out because it is worth a read. Actually, Craig, over the last year, I, I bought one of your doubles of them. You did. They are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Such good fun. And the, the latest one I bought is probably one of the one of the wackiest. And easy to miss, it's got a big Transformer on the cover. It comes from 1992. Um, but in, in this particular book, Princess Leia looks like a princess. She's got a little tiara and a, and a Disney princess gown. C-3PO looks like a, you know some sort of manga Transformers type robot. It's just so, it's just so out there. Fun stuff. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful stuff. According to the Wall Street Journal, people in China aren't that familiar with Star Wars movies. Though they might be familiar with some of the toys. And apparently, the franchise... Spoiler alert, the elves don't make them. Apparently, the franchise never got popular in China because the original Star Wars movie came out in 1977, back when Western media was suppressed in China. Here's an actual quote from a 27-year-old Chinese man who was asked about Star Wars. He said, I can't remember the plot at all. Is there a sword or something that can suddenly light up and turn off for some reason? (laughs) Yes, I thought you said you didn't know the plot. So, last year we had book covers, um... I smashed it, to be fair. I absolutely battered everyone last year. (laughs) And people couldn't quite handle me being the winner. Um, So we we came back this year, but there's there's been a bit of, 
how can I put it? I don't want to call them sore losers for last year, but <laughs> there's, there's been a definitely a bit of resentment and bitterness towards me and um, my classiness. Um, <laughs> so, Craig, this year, eulogising <laughs> legends, we had a contest. Can you explain what has happened and how it's gone? Yeah. So, as you said, last time we did we did books, we were judging books by their cover. Uh, and what I wanted to do this time was to look a little bit more at the characters that were born out of the expanded universe as it was before Disney took over and pressed the reset button because there were years and years worth of really good characters and storylines and aspects that, you know, if you take the Marvel template who you know, look at whatever it is, 50 odd years worth of, of publishing they they go back and cherry pick their characters and they reimagine them for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we're starting to see that with Star Wars. We've we've got Thrawn in there. We're hearing rumours of of Mara Jade popping up. So it, it follows that that might be something that Disney Lucasfilm do going forward. So I thought it would be nice to just pull a few out that I enjoyed and I'm aware that as a team we're not all up to speed with with the old expanded universe so i put together a roster and we all picked and everyone's task was to go away research their character and present a case present a case for them to become canonized tell everybody why they thought they were worth revisiting as, as characters so that was the uh, the format um we ran polls on twitter and instagram stories we had posts on Instagram and both the Generation Skywalker Facebook page and inside the We Are Generation Skywalker group that we encouraged people to uh, vote and comment on. So we pitted one against the other um, in a knockout format and they ran for around, I don't know, 40 hours till the votes dried up, basically. Uh, and we did, we've done that throughout uh, October. So what we're going to do now is just review how that all went down. Jez, it's you. We've got you on the call. I'll be representing Dan. So we'll talk about his characters, and I had a couple as well. So, so should we do that? Love to. Wonderful. From all corners of the Outer Rim territories, I see the contestants are making their way out onto the starting grid. No. As we record right now, we have two finalists. Those finalists are Nominor, who Jez was championing, and Cal Skirata, who Stuart is championing. We'll come to those characters at the end. I set up the first round matches. I tried to get a good mix of characters versus characters and also team members against team members. So we were all mixed up in, in that. But the first round that was drawn was Nominor versus Darth Talon. Darth Talon was knocked out. Stuart, just run us through Darth Talon as a character, what you found out about her, and what you were saying to sort of win these these votes for her to be considered as uh, as a character that Lucasfilm could cherry pick. Joe you know Craig, I would love to. Actually, can I just read the little bit I sent you? Because I didn't just copy and paste it from Wikipedia. I mean, when if I've done it, we're going to let Jeff. Hello, nor did I. Because. Look, because it's just a massive bump of stuff that he probably doesn't understand. Uh, Craig, okay. is that true? Is that true? <laughs> <Darth> <laughs> I started with a lovely quote from Darth Crate, who anyone knows about Darth Talon would know her relationship with Darth Crate. And it was just, 
I am your life. I am your death. You have passed your final test without flinching. I name you Darth Talon. I thought that quote kind of gave Darth Talon's backstory a bit there and a connection to Darth Crate. Okay, so let me just read the little bit that I, I put. I have to admit, I feel sorry for Jez in this matchup. He puts up a hooded Skeletor whilst I'm giving you the ferocious Darth Talon. A lethal Twi'lek, deep red in colour and covered in black Sith tattoos. Each of those tattoos earned in ritual combat. A Sith so badass that she outfought two Jedi at the same time, Shadow Val and Wolf Sazen. And yes, Jez, I could give you their full backstory as those Jedis. And also <laughs> ended her master's life, which she did not hesitate to take. The coolest of the Sith, who believes in the rule of one. What does Nominor really offer? Oh yes, he caused resentment against the Jedi with a touch of stirring. That's basically him in a nutshell. And actually, that's quite funny because that's basically Jez in a nutshell as well. A touch of stirring. Um, a vote for talent is a vote for common sense, for being a serious <laughs> Star Wars lover, and a vote for a character that belongs on screen and not just on paper. That's what this composition was about. As Talon once said, darkness calls to darkness, it calls to you. And what will you do with that call? You will vote talent and make the correct decision. But it was bent. The decision was bent. We'll get into <laughs> that in a minute. Let me just run through the results on that one. So on, on Facebook, on both the Generation Skywalker page and the We Are Generation Skywalker group, it was a draw. So neck, neck and neck on Facebook. Twitter actually went to Darth Talon. Darth Talon got 60% of the votes. Nominor got 40. But it was Instagram where Nominor shone through. And can I, can I tell Facebook. you why Instagram went that way, Craig? Because Jez has three Instagram accounts. Okay. <laughs> That's quite, a, that's quite a lot to make up from starting because there is people who maybe are a little bit daft and voted nominal. Um, I've got this thing open on my page at the moment. Jez's write-up that he sent to you, which I'm sure you just copied and pasted. No, In the last not. paragraph, he's called him Nonamore. <laughs> oh, <wait, no. laughs> which he doesn't even know how the spelling of the bloke's name. I mean, come on. As the competition runner and you know impartial judge of this contest, I'm not daft. I know that Jez has got three Instagram accounts and I counted that as one vote. <laughs> so he, In your face, Skinner. Do you know what, actually? Actually, I don't question Jez. He was always going to back his back his character. Okay, I get that. Jez, that's fine. To me, this should have been the final. These are oh, I was just thinking characters. That. It was I, the closest match in it. I agree. Um, but also, Dan has an issue with me winning because he's jealous. And he he messaged me and said, it, regardless of who you're up against, I'm always going to vote against you, which is a real sad state of affairs. Uh, lucky we have the Generation Skywalker fan base to even things out. Yeah, there's more than just three votes. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, up until your last statement, I was going to say for the second time today, amazing, everything you've just said is wrong. Um, but I agree with you. This opening round would have been a really, really good final. I have to say, nominal, I am not surprised as in the final. But it's actually slightly disappointing to see Darth Talon get knocked out the way she was because it, it did look like a really, really interesting character. I, I do agree. Uh, but there is so much more to nominal, and I'm going to bring out even more shortly. I'm not sure how it was going to go this first round because I think Darth Talon has, it just has that look. And we know that George Lucas had identified her from the Expanded Universe as a potential character for his sequel trilogy. So it wasn't a whitewash. It was quite close in places. So I'd, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that loss, Stuart. Oh, was... I don't. I'm quite easy at moving on with things like this, mate. <laughs> I know I'll be the next one. 
<laughs> Sorry, mate. My um, my broadband must have gone down. Can you just repeat what you just said then, Craig? I said I, I, I move on because I win everything else. I'm no, a winner, Jez. I'm a winner. I think Craig just said, I won't beat yourself up too much about your loss, Stu. So there you go. Oh, wait there. What did you say to me last year when I won the book thing? Oh, anyone would think you uh, wrote this character and designed it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, moving on to round two, we had uh, Verger and Corin Horn. So two interesting characters. I mean, I had Corin Horn and Dan drew Verger. My recollection of Verger as a character, she appeared in um, a book called Rogue Planet, which was an odd little story that took place when Anakin was like a pretty young Padawan to, to Obi-Wan and they went off and um, investigated this planet. And she was this sort of strange, very alien Jedi who was, was part of that story and disappeared off at the end of the book with the planet and reappeared down the line in the Yuuzhan Vong uh, invasion as someone who'd been sort of collaborating with them and was a sort of ambiguous character. It wasn't always clear what, which side she was on, whether she was full Sith or whether she was a, a Jedi, but she was very instrumental in corrupting the young uh, Jason Solo. So as a character, I always thought was quite interesting. And, and you know, these characters that, that do walk the line, I think, in the Star Wars universe, which was always established from the get-go, was very good versus bad. I think, you know, modern audiences like those characters who, you know, are a little bit more ambiguous. So so I thought she would be a good character to put forward and someone I could see, you know, coming in. But this is this is what Dan said about her. Verger, a Jedi whose studies of Count Dooku prior to the events of Attack of the Clones led her to Darth Sidious and to become a student of his. When she realised the lengths he'd go to to eradicate the Jedi, she attempted to murder him and in failing had to flee the galaxy. Fifty years later, she returned with the Yuuzhan Vong as chief advisor for the invasion of the galaxy we know and love. Resuming Sith studies, she set her sights on torturing and turning Jason Solo to the dark side, eventually sacrificing herself to save Jason from the Vong, enabling him to go on to fulfil his destiny to become Darth Cadus. One of the missing ingredients from the sequel trilogy was any real link back to the prequels, aside from the brief appearance of Yoda and the shoehorning of Palpatine into the rise of Skywalker. There were very few mentions of the Sith. The Jedi and Sith are natural enemies and they need each other. With all of the previous Sith Lords dead, Verger could serve the purpose of reintroducing the Sith. So we did think about it, bless him. What you've just read, it tells the story of Verger and whatnot, and so it is interesting, but I mean, when you're reading it, it was so boring. Dan isn't very good with the written words or the spoken words. And I can see why he lost his two contestants in the first round, because he he made them more boring than what they actually are. I mean, Dan's not showing up tonight because he's embarrassed. And I think he needed to actually come and uh, stand up and take responsibility for knocking out what is actually a fascinating character. To be fair, that might have been my delivery. Didn't do it justice. No, no, Craig. It was the way it was written, mate. Don't, don't knock yourself down, mate. You're a very interesting person. Anyone got anything to add on Virgin? Did anyone read up on uh, on her and what she I, was about? I had never heard of her, actually, mm. until you put her up. And um, I found her quite fascinating. I'm definitely someone I'd like to go and explore. I mean, this is just a prime example of why I'm a better person than Dan. I read the two character <laughs> synopsis and would rather read about her and rather see more about her. So I voted for his character because I've, I haven't got that bitterness, but... Um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting character. I don't know, I don't know what Jez for. I thought she looked fantastic. I'm uh, call me shallow. More about the looks. I think this would have been an incredible thing to add because uh, I look at this right and what you said, Craig. So 
here we go. Now it's time to vote on which of these Star Wars expanded universe legends you would like to see brought back for a future movie, TV show, novel or comic. I would love to see a character like that because when I look at then the competition, I just think, hmm, yeah, another human or another human looking character. This is Star Wars expanded universes. We want variety. We want characters. We want imagination. And uh, first round, Nominor, Darth Talon, absolutely tick those boxes. Otherwise, it looks like you've just got people from, I think I said in one of the rounds, if you don't put this person in the final, the final is going to be made up of two people who like belong in Westminster. You know, this this is Star Wars. We, we want variety. And you don't get much more than the likes of Nominor, Darth Talon, and this particular character. Definitely deserved a place in the competition. Um, I was championing Corrin Horn, and I think Corrin Horn benefited in the expanded universe from just being threaded throughout it for a lot of uh, years. He was an ex-cop on uh, Corellia. He was a detective. He defected to the, the rebellion he was a fighter pilot in rogue squadron so he had all those adventures turned out he was force sensitive he went on to join luke's jedi academy and was the central character in one of the more interesting books which was written in the first person which was one i really enjoyed which was i jedi and just became a really solid interesting grounded kind of entry character for people you could relate to him in this universe where lots of wild and wonderful stuff was going on he was he was quite humble as a guy quite charming just a, a well-written character the thrust of my argument was that one of the things we've not seen as fans is, is luke grow the jedi from from a standing start and, and and Corrin would be a really good character to do that with when we get to see Grogu training in the temple if if Corrin's there that would be amazing if he crops up in the Rogue Squadron movie I think there are lots of ready-made places for him to slot into so as a as a potential character to come back into canon I think he's he was quite a safe bet yeah I think that was pretty evident from the voting from outside of our group people obviously were invested everyone was voting for Corrin um, I think Mark Mark Spriggs is his son called Corrin? Yeah, I think they're named after Coronation Street. They're not Corrin. <laughs> so yeah, so Corrin, Corrin went through and Virgil got knocked out of that round. So round three was uh, was a character called Rainarful and a character <laughs> called Murta Gev. Can I just ask one question here? Yeah, isn't it strange that Jez got Rainarful and Rainarful looks like Jez with sunburn? <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit harsh. You know, when you sometimes when you when you trap an animal, that animal might just lash out. And I think Stu's in the same way really. Tonight I've I've kept my dignity. I've been um reasonably sort of, you know, classy throughout, but I've just I've not resulted to low blows or anything like that. And um and we'll just see. Good will out. And um good will overcome, Craig. Don't you agree? Uh, I don't think we need to resort to these sort of um low blows. I haven't been nasty about you, Jess. I look like Rainer Thor with sunburn. Well, he's got his, like red blotchy things on his face. He looks a little bit like you. He does look a bit like you. Are you telling me you don't think he's got the looks of you? Perhaps you haven't got a hook nose. <laughs> okay. All I'm right, then. He was in a crash. That's why he looks a bit... <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, one of the hard things about doing this is we're, we're dealing with like characters from literature and... Yeah, a lot of these didn't even make the comics. So finding images of them to represent these votes was quite tricky. You know, you're mm. talking from three or four <laughs> best. Yes, so, because um, your original image looks very different to the image which you put then in the semi-final. Yeah, 
I tried to mix it up, you see, because I didn't want people to go, mm. oh, I've already voted on that. So so the, the second image I used of him was when he was more Unu full, when he was in the, mm. the dark nest and he was, you know, uh, part of the, the insectoid alien hive mind. So it's, it's, and it's a bit more expressive as an image. It's, it's less photorealistic. So I'm trying to give people a flavour of this character. And obviously these are just, you know, artists' interpretations. So who knows what he really looks Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Until they cast him. <laughs> I mean, this was one character in particular who went through several different sort of iterations and, and changes, and it's quite difficult to keep up with this particular character because he was so good. I looked into this character, and it took me a while to go to various different resources, and then I sent all my information to Craig. And in fact, Craig, the first thing I said was, he's like one of those characters in Game of Thrones. And we then had a discussion about exactly what I meant and, and who this person could be. And in fact, this is the Jamie Lannister of of uh, Star Wars. Uh, really, really interesting because you don't know what this character is going to do next. You're not sure if you can trust him. Um, initially, he came across as a, a spoiled brat. However, he was completely strong with the Force. And is one of those things where, I guess, like successful politicians in the UK... You know, or, or generally in the Western world, that you don't really like them, but people are still drawn to them. That's why some of these poisonous lizards are just so successful. You know, people are just drawn to them and they will follow them. His redemption arc was far more complex and interesting than Anakin's. I just thought it was going to be a really, really interesting theme to, to bring in and actually give more depth. We're not just talking about 2D characters here. I mean... This was years of reading. Uh, I looked into it and it was 12 stories of the young Jedi Knights, seven volumes of Fate of the Jedi uh, and the Darkness Trilogy. He deserved his place. Now, I know we said with previous characters where they've been threaded in, but you know th this was a lot. He had a gold saber, uh, a, a gold lightsaber. Um, and also there was a, a pewter saber at the beginning and he had a stealth X-Wing. This guy had all sorts of stuff going on. And um, I just thought he was really, really interesting. And, and when I was pitched against um, who we were going to see brought up, Murta Gev, it was just, oh, here we go again, another Mandalorian. Now, I know that they're, you know, flavor of the month, but we've seen Mandalorians. We've seen them in, now in, in Rebels, in Clone Wars, in Mandalorian, funny old thing. And I just thought, no. This character is completely different, completely new, brings in that whole Game of Thrones. You do not know what's going to happen next. Is he good? Is he bad? What on earth is going on? And uh, I just thought it was fascinating. And I thought it would bring out a whole new a whole new journey for the Star Wars universe. Like you say, lots of twists and turns. Makes for good reading, you know? I mean, the bit that's that sticks in my mind the most about him is is post the darkness trilogy where they're trying to rehabilitate him and he's obviously done a lot of damage to the galaxy and yeah. everybody's calling for him to just but still people still believed in him luke, luke wanted to bring him back and that was what i was saying about the whole redemption arc you know this and it is interesting and and this is coming from a guy who's never gone outside the ot before and it was just like wow that's it just gives so much more to these characters but what it also does is it gives so much more to the original characters. You know, you look at compassion, you look at all these other things in there, which got brought into the equation for the likes of Luke Skywalker. I think, I think it's brilliant. Utterly deserved to win. And as I said, my last thing, the sales pitch was going up against another Mandalorian. 
yeah, do you want another manufactured pop group or do you want the Ramones? It just seemed that that seemed apt to me, you know, that this was this was just something different. This was something cool. And I could see people in the universe having his T-shirt rather than a Murtagev one. Well, Dan's not here. He's working on his cosplay with his leggings, but I'd be doing him a disservice if I didn't read out his pitch for Murtagev. So I'll do it in my best school assembly voice and try and do this little piece of prose justice. We already knew from the special editions that Boba Fett was a bit of a ladies' man, flirting with dancing girls in Jabba's court. But did you know in the EU that he had a granddaughter? Murta, who grew up on Mandalore and followed in her granddaddy's footsteps to become a bounty hunter, she'd later catch up with him, intending to kill him for abandoning her grandmother, but instead ended working with him to help call the Mandalorians back to their planet to help restore it after it was devastated by the Yuuzhan Vong. With the Book of Boba Fett only weeks away, what better time to introduce this character and weave her into the Fett family and have them team up with Din and Bo-Katan to bring back Mandalore? Forget the one-dimensional Jedi, vote for a Mando as cool and calculating as a grand pops. Just a bit boring, really. <laughs> Thank you. That's been my point all night, Jez. <laughs> she perhaps suffered a little bit from Sabine Wren type comparison. You know, we've got we've got a mm-hmm. young female Mandalorian. We've obviously got a couple of female Mandalorians in the eponymous show. Um, so perhaps there was that little bit of over-familiarity with that, which is... Uh, Mandalorian fatigue? Craig, possibly. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> so Ray and I went, went through on that, and I, yes. I think that was probably fair. So uh, round four was Jax Pavan and Cal Skirata, and we'll talk about Cal in a moment because he's obviously in the final. Um, but I got Jax Pavan, and Jax Pavan was a character who appeared in a series of books which were called Coruscant Knights. And for me, you know, Star Wars has always flirted with this underworld. Uh, you know, it cites uh, samurai films and westerns as big touch points for the for the franchise. But it's always done this, um, like I say, flirting with the underworld. It did it in Clone Wars when Ahsoka ended up in the lower levels. Obviously, did it in Shadows of the Empire. It was supposed to be the big setting for the the Lucasfilm TV show that never happened. Was that thirteen thirteen? That was supposed to be the the level of Coruscant. So this this murky city underworld thing was always a big part of Star Wars, which I don't think they ever nailed. And and, and Jack's Pavan and these books were very much that 1940s, 50s detective, L.A. Noir type deal, um, but in the Star Wars universe. So this this guy was an ex-Jedi, he had gone underground, he was found out he could etch out an existence in the Coruscant underworld, sort of solving mysteries and helping out people. And at the same time was running this underground railway, getting detractors of the Empire off the planet um, so they could join the rebellion. And it had all those sort of archetypes that you would expect from one of those types of novels. So he had the hard-boiled detective and the wacky sidekick, and he'd have these femme fatale characters coming in. So as a as a piece of work, it drew very much on things we were familiar with, but it was fun. It was just fun. It was nice to kind of have that vibe in a, in a sequence of Star Wars novels, and I quite enjoyed them. And that was the basis of my pitch for him. But it wasn't to be successful. He uh, he lost out to Cal, although there were a couple of draws and he won on Insta stories. But um, ultimately, it was it was Cal that went through that round. I got a bit of a Rogue One vibe from him. Definitely. You know, when I was looking at that, I was just thinking, you know, that whole area where you had uh, Cassian Andor wandering around and shooting the stormtroopers definitely felt that, as you said, the whole 1940s kind of just, yeah that's where i could picture him for sure cool so they were the first 
four rounds. And from that, we got uh, two semifinals. So we had Nominor face off Corin Horn. Uh, Nominor won that round, went through to the final. And we had Reynard Thull face off Cal Scarata. And it was Cal that won that and went through to the final. So here we are. We have these two heavyweight expanded universe uh, legends facing off. So I think it's probably appropriate to uh, to let you two step up to the mic and give your cases for each character. Should we start with Jez? Okay, well, first of all, the guy just looks absolutely nailed. So I'm going to go back to my whole thing about this is the Star Wars universe and, and we need to move away from sort of more human looking people. This is such a galaxy far, far away. It's not a galaxy just around the corner in Croydon, right? It's a galaxy far, far away. Let's have some variety. Let's have some diversity and inclusion. We don't need more human-looking people. We've already seen that some of the most fascinating characters in, in Mandalorian, uh, you know, Frog Lady and the guy who who, who uh, has got gills, and, and that's Star Wars. You know, you look at some of the favourite characters from A New Hope, and it's the Cantina characters, you know, those who just look peculiar, those who look odd and add that sense of diversity. So that's, first of all, what I say. I can then read out what I put on Facebook. But you know what? I'm going to take a punt and just say that I've got it in front of me, but it's just reading out the sales pitch, which Stu's going to do. What I want to do now is bring something new and relevant and actually make you go, yeah, not only is this a, a diverse character, an interesting character, but there is relevance here and relevance for now, because there is something that this fascinating character did, which I, I would like to read out to you. And as so far, I've just kept in the back pocket. And all seeded several different worlds with a range of illnesses carried by spores that the Vong agent had created himself. And 13 years after Caravus's death, Nominor placed Coombe spores, which are a poisonous airborne microorganism, in the breath masks of a hundred New Republic diplomats in the world of Monotu, including Jade Skywalker, at the event that marked the ascension of the priest prince Ugapos of the tenth to the throne. All of them became infected, and many died within a period ranging from several days to weeks of the initial exposure through the time frame deferred dependent on the species of the infected individual. Eventually, all except Mara Jade Skullwalker died from the spores, though she was able to hold the disease back using the force. This is relevant. You know, this isn't just coronavirus or what's going on, you know, in, in, the, in the country. We're talking about the latest James Bond movies and this and the other. That type of biological warfare, spores and the scariness of infections like that and, and, and how things can spread that now drives fear more than lightsabers and, and blasters. You know, the fact that we can have wars, biological warfare, that's new, that's different, you know, and that is something which Star Wars hasn't done yet. Yeah, you can give me more Mandalorians, yawn, but what we're doing here is diversifying Star Wars, bringing in new and exciting characters. And I'm going to go back and leave you with the fact we all said when we recorded the earlier episode, this guy just looks fantastic. This guy looks incredible and just so deserves to be added into future canon. Star Wars might not be ready for Vongs yet, but the question was, who should be added to future canon? And there should be no other worthy winner. This isn't about me or Stu or Dan or Craig. 
No, man, no. He just needs to win. It's the right thing to do. Stuart? <clears throat> um, Jez had a bit of a, a low blow moments ago at me d- during the beginning of that spill, which, it, I mean, is out of line. I, <clears throat> I put, excuse me, <laughs> I'm quite choked up about this. <laughs> one, I thought Jez was a friend, and I, I feel some of the, he's been sending me messages during this as well, some of them quite hurtful. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I for one, actually thought Nominor was a brilliant character when I did the figure compiling. I thought, yeah, I mean, his action figure is going to be in there. He's got a great backstory. Of course, I was going to champion Darth Talon because Darth Talon was a great character, and I preferred it to Nominor more. But it doesn't mean I don't like this character. Um, actually, Cal Scarato, I didn't know too much about, but actually, I mean, Jesse being quite disrespectful to, oh, everyone, Mandalorian, Mandalorian. I don't want to hear you in a thread next time going, oh, look, if you watch the new episode of Mandalorian, isn't it great? Because you clearly have got massive disdain for them and have had enough of them. But whether you like it or not, it's not just currently. Mandalorians have always been extremely popular in the expanded universe and going, going right back to the start of Boba Fett. The, the backstories of Mandalorian are, are very, very popular. And Cal Scarata would actually fit brilliantly. I mean, his backstory is is brilliant. I'm not going to go into it. You can go and read what we've written. He is a brilliant character with a good heart. And he would fit in the Clone Wars. He would fit in a spin-off of the prequels. He would fit well in Mandalorian. You could put him in Bad Batch. You could put him in the Book of Fett. He's, he's got such a good backstory that uh, he would be easy to bring into canon. And so much so, did you know that... Uh, Hasbro did actually have had a figure down of him, but they couldn't get his head sculpted quite right because it was such an important character. They didn't want to do a disservice to it and they couldn't get a head right. So they actually, uh, they never bothered. The toy head that they did design became another figure called Midge Gillimar. I, I love Cal Scarata so much. I even learnt my spiel in every language going. So in like in Czech, Falen Matran set nadru nalapata quat kids mubil asi sasi let. I mean, did you do all that world of work, Jez? Do you want it in Polish? I don't need. Embarrassing. This is embarrassing. You're polishing the turd. Just, just stop, <laughs> Stu. Just take you, the runner up. Are you saying Joe? What, Jez? Hands up. I quite like Nominal, but I think Kalskarata is a worthy finalist, not for you, just to come on and just go. Oh, everyone has voted for him. You all idiots. You all, you all, you all, you I have not said that. I've not said that. What kind of idiots are voting uh, for this? Let, what kind of idiots rewind. are watching Mandalorian? Let's I mean, Grant's one of your best friends. Let's rewind to the point where I said that. Let's, just, once, let's just look at the last two votes. Grant, your good friend, who um, actually, if you'd seen his comment, you probably would have changed your vote. Nom just looks like a Pepsi ad for Skeletor. I go with uh, the Michael Bean clone. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you see? Uh, and I respect it. I do. I respect it. You you know just, it. You've, you've slammed the Mandalorians. Everything no, about. I haven't. I love the Mandalorian. I said that we just need to diversify. I mean, Sean Moynihan had you in his house and you've slammed him. <laughs> slammed him. Again, I think in the quote I said, I respect your point. As the impartial member of the call tonight, I think you're right. I think they're both absolutely worthy finalists. I always loved Calscarata as a character. I really enjoyed the Republic Commando books more than I thought I would. It's just got so much heart and a big part of that heart, a big part of that humanity was through his character. And I think in terms of what's missing, 
in the Star Wars universe. He's a really good link between the Mandalorians and the clones. He was brought in to train the clones. Uh, I think Django brought him in to train them, and he just became their father figure. And in the alternative old EU, the Bad Batch equivalent with the Nulls, if the clones didn't come to scratch, they, they kind of ditch him, you know. And he scooped up all the, the ones that were a bit wonky, the ones that had stuff wrong with them, and trained them up into this fighting unit. And, you know, post-Order 66, you know, he, he was a big champion of their rights and tried to kind of track down the genetic code that would stop them aging prematurely so they could go off and live, you know, normal lives. So always a big fan. Um, and Nominor, equally brilliant character came in and shook things up in a very insidious, scary, unfamiliar way. So I, I think, you know, looking at the list, that they are two very, very worthy finalists. Now I'm just checking my social media feeds to see if we've had any more votes since, since I tallied up the current state of affairs before we came on the call. Um, do, do we want to announce the winner? Yep. Happy enough, yeah. I'd uh, all cards on the table, Craig. I love what you've done here. It's been good fun. It's opened my eyes, and I really hope it's opened up other people's as well who haven't necessarily seen them. Quite clearly, there's a lot of love for both characters. Definitely, both of them are in my, I would say, top four. I think uh, top three, even, I would say. Um, so I, I think, yeah, we've got a worthy final. It's going to be close. And, uh, and I'm the only one who's not lied tonight. <laughs> so it is quite close in places both characters have uh, ended up in a draw on the we are generation skywalker group and underneath the instagram post but i can announce now we'll drop him some sort of star warsy drum roll nominor is victorious Gnome Anor turned to glare upon the man, reminding him of who was the boss here and who the mere attendant. And shocked Tanakhtin did shrink back, the blood draining from his face. He had been around Gnome Anor long enough to fear that glare as much as perhaps even more than he feared death itself. They are Jedi, he stammered, trying to clarify his warning, trying to make certain that Gnome Anor did not note any lack of confidence in him. Speaking doubts about Gnome Anor had proven a fatal flaw for several previous advisors. Mm, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully so. I, uh, what I don't want to do is I'm, I'm not going to rub people's noses in it and I'm not going to do a little victory dance and I'm not going to say, you know, Alanson rhymes with winner or anything like that, which happened last year. Um, that's just a lack of confidence, to be fair. <laughs> I'm just going to say, well, that has been great. And uh, I'm really, really pleased with that. And I'm going <laughs> to buy myself, as we said, I'm going to buy myself a nominal figure. So this has definitely got me not just entering, you know, getting into the modern era, but modern and expanded universe. I'm going to buy a nominal figure because, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, chuffed with that. Thanks to everyone who's taken part, um, including Mrs. Skinner. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you for, for all the listeners and, uh, and people who are on social media because it's been good fun. And uh, Craig, thank you for doing this. But, yeah, I'm chuffed with that win. 
yeah, you're right, Ashley Craig. Really, really good, mate. Really good contest. Norman Orr's a, a great, uh, a great winner. Um, he would have been my third favourite out of this competition. So I can't, I can't fault that. Um, thanks for all the people voting, especially. Um, I think there was a running stormtrooper. Um, <laughs> Jez, just Jez on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, all real worthy uh, voters there. And Dan. So, yeah, I, I just want to echo that. Thank you for everybody who got involved. And even if you just saw these characters pop up in your timeline, hopefully it's just piqued your interest a little bit. One day you might explore those murky corners of the old Star Wars expanded universe because, you know, sure as shit, Lucasfilm are going to be doing it in the coming years. I want to just give a shout out to um, some people who really entered into the spirit of, uh, of what we were doing. Uh, Mark Howard. And Mark Spriggs and Sean Moynihan all got stuck in and uh, voted and but gave us opinions as well, gave us their view on why some of these characters should have uh, should have been considered. So big shout out to them. And I think we did say in the uh, in the prologue show that we've we've been putting a little pile of books together. So we'll send you something. So we'll be in touch and uh, we'll, we'll get your details and and send you something off as a as a thank you for uh, for supporting uh, what we're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well done, well done, Craig. I'm I'm quite hurt tonight. I mean. Um, oh, hang on! Someone's beeping. Probably votes coming in. Oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's celebratory <laughs> gifts from Jez. <laughs> hmm. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Jez's words have made bruises uh, that probably won't fade away. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really don't. Know. Well, you know. Are you okay? Are you? Are you are you okay to carry on, Stuart? Do you need me to pause? <clears throat> um, yeah, I could probably just do it with a sip of water. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Nominor is just nails. I mean, there was a negotiation between him and Goran Bevin. Can you remember that one? Uh, Craig Ray just says, I need a politician removed. And Goran says, what, in power or not? And Nom just says, does it matter? I want him dead. I mean, you know. This guy's just, he's just, I think I said once, Norm is the bomb. And Vector uh, Prime has to be, I mean, once you finish the uh, Heir to the Empire trilogy, you need to you need to get Vector Prime. Yeah. The first book of the new Vector Jedi. Roger that. I'll, I'll see if I can get hold of it, because I think after this, it's just going to be sold out everywhere, because <laughs> well, yeah, everyone's going to want to Nom 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 the Nom. I had fought the worst of all wars and witnessed the redemption of evil. I have seen balance restored to the Force. But order can turn to chaos, as it did when I was born. Now, with my loved ones and my loyal allies, I face a new challenge unlike any before. And I'm not sure if this time we can win. Star Wars Vector Prime by R.A. Salvatore, the first novel of the new Jedi Order. Anything else about book month that maybe you want to bring up before we uh, start to close out, gents? Sure. You know, we said that we ran out of time. Life, you know, sometimes <laughs> life gets in the way. Um, but we've got some great ideas for book month. There's a few bits and pieces which we want to do. And, uh, yeah, rest assured we are going to do them. This is uh, it's great fun recording this. It's been uh, really, really interesting. And um, there's plenty of time, guys. We've got plenty of time. And there's no rush. So, uh the listeners will get them when they come out and uh, and hopefully they'll enjoy them as well. So um, they're on their way. It's always a little bit extra work when we when we do these things. These, these things don't just happen. Um, 
but I think it's good. It's it's nice for us. We we kind of rally around and put this stuff together as a team and give people something different. And that's what we were always about. Personally, I'd love to hear what people think. Is this connecting with people? Are you enjoying the shows? I mean, certainly the people downloading it, they're listening. Um, but but let us know. Let us know if you want more of this sort of stuff or something different. What do you want us to talk about? Games, pinball, whatever, you know? Pinball month. Let's do pinball month. I definitely think <laughs> there's something in the games month. I'm not a big, big mm. gamer. I own them all, but I never play them. But definitely definitely something in that. But uh, yeah, they need to be very guest heavy. Yeah, I was just about to say, that's exactly when you've got the likes of, you know, um, Ed... Yeah, a Jedi, you know, these guys, they can come on because I know that Ed was a massive console and games collector, whether or not he was playing the games or just collecting them is another matter. But yeah, absolutely. And as as the guy said, you know, if if there's anything which people want or think, oh, actually, I can talk about this. Yeah, come on and uh, do a recording. That'd be really, really good. It'd be quite nice, actually. A games kind of month. We could go right back to the start of gaming, back to whatever it was first, whether it was those Sakuda handheld games, I'm not sure what came first, and maybe do a month where we go through the timeline of gaming. Um, yeah, definitely be an interesting one to delve into. Um, but like I said, some of the action figures that have come out alongside the games is incredible. Definitely uh, something to look at. Um, we have, of course, got a little highlights reel here for this month. We love a montage on this show, and uh, nothing better than when you've done a focused piece of work for a month. Let's listen to that montage. I really want a Shmi Skywalker novel. I want everything up until, and maybe a little after, Anakin is separated from her life. I want to know her story more in full. Um, there's just too many things that point to something very interesting with her. And I do think she's more connected to the Force than we are led to believe. If you go back, watch her facial expressions, specifically in The the Phantom Menace. I mean, when Qui-Gon is, he's really trying to pry when it comes to Anakin, and she's very vague with her responses, but I think her face gives away a lot more than what she's saying. Um, she knows a lot more about her son and who he is and what he's meant to be without saying it. I mean, you could just see it within her stance and with her answers. She knows that he's extremely special and not just special in the way that he's gifted. He's special in the way for the entire galaxy. When you look back on this trilogy you now, it really was a blank slate. Nobody really knew what was happening after the time of Jedi filling in that gap up to The Force Awakens. Nobody knew at that point what The Force Awakens was going to be. So this was your, your first chance to, to world build and I think that was the key thing in the interludes. It gave you a little insight as to what was going on around the galaxy because you desperately wanted to know, but there was no way for a novel in one singular story to be able to give you that insight. So I thought, I thought the interludes were a really strong part of the trilogy. I really liked uh, Sinjir Rafilis, who's the, the Imperial loyalty officer. So basically he's the one who goes around and kind of tortures and torments uh, defectors to kind of like either rejoin the, the Imperial Army or kind of get wiped out. I thought his character and especially his character development over the trilogy was uh, was really good. One of the things that this trilogy does pretty well is its handle what I would consider as a middle class, white, middle aged, straight man, 
a really sincere LGBTQ relationship between Sinji and his, uh, his boyfriend, whose name kind of escapes me. Compared to what we seem to see in a lot of the other new canon books, where a lot of the LGBTQ community seems to be kind of slightly more fixated in getting laid rather than fighting the galaxy or saving the Empire. There was something really kind of genuine about how Windig wrote that, that relationship. Renovating my collecting room this year, so I've got a bit more shelf space. So I've been pulling all my old books down out of the loft, and I picked this one up and started going through it again. And it's it's an awesome book. Got to imagine back to a time before the internet, before Facebook, and all these you know pictures of props and various maquettes and models. It was all it was all brand new to me back then, and all of these images just blew my mind. This book's amazing. So it goes through A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, you've got concept art for their costumes. And a lot of these costumes have obviously gone through the prop store. They know the people that own them. So uh, there's fresh photos, full page, A4 pages with these costumes. And sometimes, I mean, everyone talks about the hand hoff. Is it brown? Is it blue um, on the coat? I mean, this book, it, it looks totally brown in this book. But it goes through everything, um, every costume you can you can think of. And there, there is, I mean, the Emperor's cloak is nothing like what I thought it was on screen. I mean, it looks totally different. And I think we've had a conversation offline about that I did a Jawa hot toy unboxing. And one of my complaints was the cape. When you actually look in this book at the prop used, the cape is very light brown. It's something we wanted to, to achieve for a while. It's a book which features all the fabulous French uh, Mechano toys uh, related advertisement and, and also the promotional um, campaigns uh, from the youth publications such as the, the, the famous Piff Gadget and also uh, the Mechano material aimed at professional retailers. Those advertisements are very popular among collectors and they are very uh, sought after and uh, we, we can see uh, Frequently, you know, uh, people buying and selling them, you know, even cut out from magazines. I know that many collectors are actually looking for them. Assemble a set, for example, of the of the the famous, you know, 25 scenes from Piff Gadget from The Empire Strikes Back, uh, and, uh, and other famous uh, marketing campaigns. And of course, this won't be the original, but at least uh, you can get all the advertisements at their original size. Uh, and yeah, you, you have everything in one volume, so that's the nice bonus, you know. All those moments just captures in a way that really, really brought it to life um, for me as a as a kid. I've never really looked into it. I've never really thought about what this book was, where it fitted into the world, and who created it. So it's nice to just do a little bit of digging. And this particular book was a collaboration between two really creative talents. So it was an early commission for a fantasy and sci-fi artist called Wayne Barlow, who went on to work as a concept artist on movies like Hellboy, Harry Potter, Avatar. He's still very active and he's highly respected today and he, he's the man behind this gorgeous artwork. And he was paired with Ib Pennick who did a lot of these pop-up books for Random House and he was a Danish paper engineer and is considered to be the creative mind behind the resurgence of pop-up children's books in the 60s and 70s. You guys have blown my mind with this um, because I tell you why I had nothing to do with this when I was um, you know a young adult or you know when these came out 
this whole range completely missed me by as did the books this was came out around about the time i was joining the military and i just i just didn't have time for any of that i have just learned who she was incredible i think expanding the universe with jez has to be a regular show <laughs> i had no idea it's like someone watching star wars for the first time and see i was reading this last night and that was that was the time when i swore when i when i read that i was just like oh my god i want to know more i want more information so exciting see would you rather seen that or luke's sulking on an island in the last jedi it's exciting stuff guys good times star wars amazing well boys um a great month it is farthest from. We've mentioned it a couple of times. 12th of December is farthest from down in Fordenbridge. Uh, Matthias Rendell is going to be there signing copies. He's going to have his books for The Chromeland Strikes Back and the first one, A New Proof. Now, Craig, you are, I've got A New Proof, but you've got both of these books. They're great, aren't they? They're wonderful. I, I really like them. And if you want a review, Grant did a great uh, blog. It's over at generationskywalker.com. If you could go to the blog section. Uh, click the link at the top. You'll see it there. Chromeland Strikes Back. Have a read and have a look at some images from the book. Yeah, definitely. Well, Matthias is going to be there signing, and um, I'm sure he'll have some to sell, but you can pre-order. Just go over to All The Cool Stuff website page or Facebook page. You'll find the details on there. Or go to the Fathers From Facebook page. There's a good link there. And I think I've even posted it on the We Are Generation Skywalker page. Uh, If you just have a scroll down, you will find the link to pre-order. Pick up your books off Dave at Fathers From, and then you can go and find Matthias and he will be happy to sign them. Um, I will definitely be delving into A Chromium Strikes Back to join the other one whilst I'm down there. But um, yeah, looking forward to that. You can go over to www.generationskywalker.com where you'll find links to everything we do there, including links to our social media. Just go to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Generation Skywalker. Head over to YouTube. Search again, Generation Skywalker. Hit the subscribe button over there. and um, there's lots of stuff over there, enhanced shows of everything, and also of things like Skywalker Blast and unboxing videos. Craig, obviously, we've just been talking about the Luana Wanawa. Have I got that right? Close enough. Yeah, close enough. That'll do me. Uh, that that Skywalker Blast over there. So um, lots to check out there. But it is for this month. Uh, goodbye from Craig. Cheerio. It is goodbye from Jez. Goodbye, everyone. I will be retiring with a glass of champagne. And uh, I have been victimised. I was in a fight that was not a fair fight. I did not ask for the fight, but I lost. There is no shame in losing such fights. I've reached the stage of survivor, and I'm no longer a slave of victim status from people like Jez. I look back with sadness rather than hate, and I look forward with hope rather than despair. I may never forget Jez, but I need not constantly remember I was a victim. I am a survivor. It is good enough. <laughs> and we're Generation Skywalker. <laughs> I've got to say, that sounds to me like you wrote that failure speech earlier on. Knowing <laughs> 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 that my victory was on the cards. Oh, dear. <laughs>